0: Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors, the podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And I'm Sophie Robinson. And a big thank you to Gebret, the bathroom experts, for sponsoring the show. Now, I think people often get really scared about designing bathrooms because it's a big upheaval and uh, there's a lot of anxiety about getting it wrong.
1: And they don't want to do it twice either. But it's really important that you treat your bathroom like any other room in the house and not get sort of sidetracked into, you know, the fact that it has to have
0: certain fixed appliances in it. So I think it's really important that you work your own style into your bathroom decoration, whether that's bold or neutral, classical or contemporary, but by combining those features, you create a room that's not just practical, but beautiful too. And also, that reflects
1: the style of the rest of your house. There's loads to choose from at Geberit, from organic shapes and invisible overflows to storage and cabinets with built in LED lighting.
0: Ooh, snazzy! <laughs> <laughs> so, do check out the inspiration page on their website geberit.co.uk to get your bathroom redesign kick started and thank you so much to geberit
1: for your continued support now we have a packed show for you as ever from our duvet
0: dens what have we got sophie well first up i would love to chat all things fancy interiors and discover what our design dreams are i've then got an amazing interview with the most fabulous j blades from the repair shop fame he's going Going to talk all things mending and restoring and finally we're going to talk room revamps plus of course our regular style surgery sh- shlo- <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> promise i haven't drunk gin yet <sighs> plus of course our style surgery slot where you get your questions answered this week we thought we'd have a slight change of direction i think we're all a bit
1: fed up you know so that kind of got us looking in the direction of you know your fantasy interiors if money were no object or what are your design
0: dreams you know if have you you been spending too much time on the modern house website again a little bit virtual house hunting
1: (laughs) i'm always (laughs) virtually house hunting
0: and i do like my house
1: but you know there's those it's interesting to know you know where those influences come from. So, you know, for example, my engagement ring is an aquamarine, which I chose because it's the colour of the sea of the place we go in Italy very often. You know, so I didn't actually bring that colour into that. Where did you go in Italy? Um, in Italy, it's uh, a bit north of Pisa, up near Ooh, Um so it's not necessarily come into my interior design, but it is, you know, one of those kind of fantasy colours I carry around with me.
0: Who knew? I did not see you as, a, as an aquamarine. There you go. Turquoise waters kind of lady. There you go. But is it because it has that connection with that sort of, because that's one of your favourite spots? Yeah, exactly. And, sort of... and I think, you know, that's all part
1: of that kind of, where do your design fantasies take you in this, whatever, 70 billionth week of lockdown? <laughs>
0: It's really interesting, Just, I mean, that aside, it's been really interesting. Part of the reason why me and my husband get on so well is, as soon as we moved in together, we just avoided all arguments about cleaning by having cleaners, and it's thrown it all back up again because I'm now cleaning and he won't join in. Really? Because he has, a, yeah, because he has a different dirt threshold to me. He informs me. <laughs>
1: So I am fact, having that line.
0: I've got a different dirt threshold yeah, for you, that's darling. What he says. He says, sorry, I don't feel like it needs doing every week. Every other week's fine for me. And every other week is not okay with me. So I do it every week and he might join in every other week. So maybe my fancy house either's got cleaners or it hasn't got a dirty husband in it. (gasps) Which which (laughs) one's it going to be? I think think that might be a whole different podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I know, he does listen to this occasionally as well. I should watch what I'm saying.
1: (laughs) But I know um, one thing. I went this time last year when it was Saloni, you know, the Milan Furniture Fair. I went to visit the Villa Neki, which featured in the Tilda Swinton film, I Am Love, and you can go on a tour around it. Neki is a, a brand of sewing machine, so it belonged to the sewing machine family, and it has a swimming pool, it's a big, beautiful villa, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, so you, if you see that film, you know they've used the interiors and it's very, very beautiful. And I know that Russell and Jordan of 2LG Studio, you know, we reviewed their book a, a couple of shows ago, they have been there and, you know, been very inspired by not only that film director, but the inside. So I think it's interesting to see how we travel around and, you know, you can't always bring back the exact thing. You know, if you go on holiday, I always use this example on Pinterest, you know, and you see this beautiful house in South Africa, that is not going to translate to a two-bedroom flat in North London. But are there kind of colours and shapes and things in films you see those are the things I kind of carry with me when I come Do you, home. So
0: are you, are you watching a film and then quietly redesigning your living room at the same time? Do you find yourself doing yes. that? And I <laughs> absolutely struggle
1: when I watch films with... My husband, because I'll get sidetracked off into trying to try peer at something in the corner of the room and see what it is, and then I'll kind of, you know, come back to and go, "Sorry, who was that? Who was just murdered?" And I will always completely miss it. Did you ever watch um, the Killing? Do you remember when the Killing was on? That was the sort of yeah, no,
0: I never watched that.
1: actually Well, it was the kind of first Scandi Noir, I think. And there would be long sort of everybody would watch it on Twitter and then have conversations about, "Oh, do you recognise that? You know, Hans Wegner chair, or there's a Louis Poulsen lamp." So it became almost as much about the interiors as, obviously, her sweater um, as the plot right, what itself. Was the, what was the sweater? Well, she had a Fair Isle sweater that she clearly oh, right. wasn't washing that very often. Maybe she had a different dirt threshold uh, to everyone else because she wore it every week. <laughs> <laughs> it's making me feel a bit hot to think about. It was a big, chunky Fair Isle sweater, and they got very fashionable for a while after that. Tell us, remove your differently dirt thresholded husband
0: from the scene and... What have you got? Oh, I've got complete delusions of grandeur. I mean, just talking about films that have made an impact on me in terms of design. There was a film called Atonement. Yes. I think it was like something. I wanted or something. the green swimming costume actually. Oh Kira Knightley in that emerald green bias cut yeah. dress. Oh. But anyway. <laughs> I was looking at the wallpaper. It was just like, you know, that real classic Aristo country pad covered in chintz, floral, wallpaper everywhere, loads of swags, beautiful antique furniture and all just really grand, but also really battered and lived in but the and key slightly to that, English eccentric. And I just love
1: that look. The absolute key to that is though it has to be battered. It yeah. really doesn't work if it's new and shiny. So actually, Tom could really work really well in there because you could install it all <laughs> and then he could just move in. And he
0: could just not clean it. And not then clean it like for, top, for about five people. years.
1: <laughs> and then it would look amazing. You know, sprinkle a layer of Lucy's dog hair all over it. Oh, you know? what? <laughs> yeah. You know, the thing is, I always find, and I've said this on the blog before, that, you know, I mean, I don't wish to sound greedy, but uh, one fantasy house isn't enough for me. You know, oh, I, no, I, well, no. well, I need about four because I would like that kind of, you know, dilapidated castle painted pink. That's a bit English country styled. You know, I'm up for that. But every An now and old then, castle
0: painted pink. Hold on, continue. It's painting It's very Scottish. This me. There's a lot of castle painted pink, but yeah, what, pink with pink on parrots. the outside. Yeah, yeah, pink on the outside. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd be up for that. I've and then never a bit, seen a Scot. Who, uh, but, 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 but. A Scottish castle? Yeah, there's loads of on them. The Google
1: pink castles. There's a very famous one on a very beautiful oh, Instagram really site called The Slow Traveller. She's got a gorgeous dog called Lenny. Um, and, and a pink castle? Well, she doesn't live in the pink castle, but she's photographed the pink castle. It's beautiful. Right. Um, okay, so they that's, come up that's, the resident. That's, that's, that's the country residence. That's my country residence. residence. Um, But then, you know, every now and then I am looking through, uh, to coin a phrase, the modern house. And, you know, you see this amazing... Which is,
0: just for anyone who doesn't know, uh, an estate agency website. Yes. With lots of... Archite- houses of architectural interest, yes, say. Yes, they're contemporary, right. but
1: they're also quite a lot of modernist ones from the 1930s. Probably by the seaside. Yeah. So I've got my pink Scottish castle, my modernist seaside house. Um, obviously, I need a pad in London. So I'd be quite up for a warehouse. I do like warehouse. Oh, See, I was saying you? this the other day, I like that kind of open plan You've had a lot warehouse. of time on your hands to think about this, Kate. Have you? you not? I mean, you know... <laughs> For the love of God, I've practically chosen the light switches and the bedding in all my fantasy houses. this
0: is great. So the warehouse, is this an open plan? Yeah, it's open plan in London.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then obviously I need two more, but then I've finished. So number four, probably going to be a crumbling palazzo on the canal in Venice. More water, love a bit of that. Want a boat. Mm -hmm. I'd like to go to Sainsbury's in a boat. I think that would be romantic.
0: (laughs) And then... And then I just, People oh, actually. People are talking about cycling to have, you know, everyone's no. talking about getting bikes at the no, moment and no, so they no. don't have to go on public to transport. <laughs> you want a boat. I want a boat. Uh, oh, and then, well, probably
1: need, well, I do you know, I could have a little pied de terre, maybe in Turin. Turin's a great city. And then finally, probably a country house. So I have need six. Are you yeah. sure? Oh, yeah. six.
0: I thought you started off with four. You got yeah, up to no, six. I've
1: expanded. So, you know, but you could in probably. In the space put- of
0: this conversation. <laughs>
1: You can put all your fantasy designs into
0: one house. Go. What, 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 <laughs> I'm speechless. I'm a, I've got some FOMO. I'm not. I only thought of one. Oh well. I, I didn't think to think of six fantasy houses. <laughs> it's just pure greed. <laughs> so when I was thinking of my fantasy house. I do love my husband and I love living with him, but my fantasy house, he would have no input into the interior decor whatsoever. <laughs> so I'd just be completely unleashed, which would be my fantasy. That would be brilliant. And when I thought of the sort of architecture of my fantasy house, it really is very... Do you know one of the houses I've always really loved since a child is on Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. You know, Professor Potts. I can't remember that the house. That house. It was really quirky and dishevelled and a bit arts and crafty and it had a turret and, like, tile hung. Oh, yes. And I think it actually exists and it is in the area where I live down in East Sussex. I think it is local to here somewhere um but yeah but really wonky and um quirky with kind of like really gnarly wobbly flagstone floors and creaky round turret staircases can i just say my grandmother
1: lived in a 14th century farmhouse uh which i grew up in for quite a long time and my uncle's bedroom when he was a child when they'd moved to it um it was so wonky that he actually had to have half his bed on bricks because otherwise when he got into bed Brilliant. it would slide across the floor it was yeah. that wonky
0: yeah just wonky my fancy house is really Fantasy house is wonky. Wonky. <laughs> it's wonky it's <laughs> wonky want a wonky house! There we go. <laughs> it made me realise that I quite like lots of little rooms. But then I thought, oh no, but I need lots of rooms because there's lots of wallpaper that I like. So yeah. I need lots of rooms. So I've got lots of different rooms to but decorate you see, in different styles. This is and where I
1: started with needing two fantasy houses because I have days when I really want, you know, dark, warm, enveloping colours, and days when I want it to be really light and bright. So you know, I need. I need a big house kind of cut in two and there's my summer house and my winter house as it were or my good mood and my cozy mood house.
0: Yeah, that's a nice idea. I I could in my fancy house I had folly as well in the garden. Of course that you did. Really- <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you what, I think we should probably just
1: hand this podcast over to the psychologist and see what comes back. <laughs> I just want a house where I can hide. Yeah, exactly. Hide from everything else. I Tiny that-
0: secret rooms with secret doorways yes. and secret staircases and follies down the garden where nobody knows <laughs> where I am. Well, I think we've revealed probably quite a lot more than we intended to with <laughs> that. <laughs> I'd love to know what our listeners' fancy homes would look yeah. like. I think it's a brilliant topic and they're so... You know, if you really unleash your mind with this one, it can be really, really interesting. We're mostly on Instagram still.
1: I'm uh, mad about the house and she's Sophie Robinson Interiors. And, you know, a great place for a chat. Come and join the Great Indoors podcast Facebook group and really let's start chatting about all our fantasy houses over there. It's probably easier to chat there.
0: Now for an interview we've been trying to get in the diary for ages. And it turns out it couldn't have come at a better time when we're all stuck indoors and having to get a little resourceful with the upcycling and the repurposing. Jay Blades is a modern furniture restorer, upcycler and eco-designer and many of you will know him from presenting the oh so popular The Repair Shop over on BBC and Money for Nothing. He also creates his own quite dazzling furniture for his own label J and Co. He's a, he's a proper celebrity now, isn't he? I met him years
1: ago when he was running his own charity organisation uh which was employing young kids who were kind of on the border, you know, might be dropping out of school or struggling and he was giving them employment in an upholstery factory and he had an event one evening where he said come along and upholster a chair out of sort of remnants of material that he'd got and it was such good fun I really enjoyed it.
0: He got you reupholstering a chair?
1: Yeah we all were given he had a bunch of old chairs and he had lots of old material and he taught us how to do it and then he auctioned them off for charity he has been doing it for a long time and his style is quite distinctive, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of, he takes old furniture, but he gives it a bit of a punk edge. You know, lots of timorous beasties material and bright colours and he might paint one leg of the chair neon pink or something. It's
0: great. I love it. You must love it as well with all those colours. I'm a massive fan, so I was totally stoked to get an opportunity to pick his brains. Hello, Jay, and thank you so much for joining us on The Great Indoors. We are so thrilled to have you on the show because we know you're a busy man. How are you coping? What's lockdown life like for you right now?
2: It's, it's really good. But first thing so sorry, thank you for having me. Um... Yeah, lockdown life is is not too bad. Basically, I'm in my workshop. My workshop is about seven minutes away from my house and I'm able to come in here, lock the door and just get on with the work that needs to be done.
0: Guy, give us a picture. What's your workshop like and what are you working on at the
2: moment? Um, Workshop is, oh, it used to be an old school. I'm based in Ironbridge and basically this is where the tile factory used to be and all of the workers had children and the children used to go to school in this building and I'm in here... Um, surrounded by chairs, armchairs, and sofas. And at the moment, I'm probably working on about 50 chairs um, to get ready for customers yes. and all other bits and bobs. And also, I'm filming a new show for BBC, and we've got one cameraman, and that's it. We're social distancing. Luckily, my workshop is about, oh, I'd say anything between, I think it's about 10 meters long by probably about 15 metres wide. Um, yeah, it's quite easy to keep apart. <laughs>
0: wow, so that's amazing. So you're keeping the TV work going as well. Are you allowed to give us any uh, any heads up with what the new TV show is? Uh,
2: yeah. Do we get a scoop yeah, on the, that? The new TV show is called Jay's Home Fix. It should be out towards the end of May, I believe. Oh, soon. And yeah. basically what the show is all about is getting people back to make him the consumerist society has just made it where it's easy to go and pick something up to buy something. Whereas the repair shop mm. arcs back to a, a bygone era where we used to have a repair shop on every high street and you would take your electrical appliances or your garden shares to be sharpened and so on and so forth to these shops, but now they don't exist. And the J Blades Home Fix show is just showing people, well, look, anything that you buy in a shop you can actually make it it isn't a problem so making a stain remover making dishwasher tablets furniture polish it's like it can be done so why don't we give it a try and um it might save you a couple of quid
0: i absolutely love the idea that we can make simple preparations to keep our home looking spick and span what's your favorite thing that you're going to show us how to make on the show
2: yeah, Well, my favourite, I must say, is furniture polish. Because from a very young age, there's a brand that I'm not going to mention that had this wonderful advert, and they used to spray it, and then it would wipe everything clean, and it would come up sparkly. <laughs> but um, I, I might I, even have a can of that at the back of the shelf somewhere. <laughs> there you go. But I, I, made, I made my own, and the thing about it is it actually works. And the smell could be any smell you want. You can have lavender, you can have sweet oranges, you can have peppermint, because you, you're making it yourself. So whatever your taste is with regards to the smell, you can add that in. But the furniture polish works, and I am just shocked out. And it is a really simple formula. So for me...
0: You're going to have to share it. What is it? What's in I this formula? Have to watch
2: the show. There you go.
0: Oh, <laughs> you got me.
2: <laughs> You've got to watch the show, because the, the furniture polish, like... I am not buying furniture polish ever again. So apologies to all the furniture polish guys out there. I don't need it. I know what your ingredients are and I can make it myself. I'm sorted. (laughs)
0: I like the idea of being able to scent it in your own because that's actually one of the bugbears for me. Sometimes the synthetic odours of these cleaning products is just horrible. So the idea that you could scent it. Are you using an essential oil? Are you allowed to tell me that?
2: I am using essential oils and they're 100% natural. The smell that I love is sweet oranges. I just like sweet oranges. So I can put the scent of sweet oranges in there. So whatever you like, you can have it. Imagine creating your own polish It works for one, and it's in a scent that you want.
0: My gosh, I never thought I'd say this, but you've got me inspired to clean my house. (laughs) That's not something I say very often.
2: Well, bless you.
0: But I just also wanted to talk to you about the sort of therapeutic element of doing up old bits of furniture. I know for me in the past, if I have had the time to, I don't know, sand down an old piece of furniture and give it a lick of paint in an uplifting colour, it's really helped Lift my spirits, and in the doing, there can be something much more kind of like therapeutic than just going out and buying something new. Do you feel that?
2: I, I feel it every time I complete something. Um, when I went to school, I was classified as a failure. Um, they didn't identify that I was dyslexic. So we wouldn't really achieve much in class um, and didn't achieve much in my qualifications. But every time I paint, every time I sand, every time I put a piece of fabric onto a chair or onto a sofa, there's a sense of achievement that supports my mental health like you wouldn't believe. It's almost as if that fabric, that paint is giving me a pat on the back. It's giving me that encouragement to keep on going. I've got the know-how to make me feel better and it's by doing up old furniture and hence why I'm quite... um, When I get in a workshop, I get quite intense. I I do a lot of work.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so it's not just the transformation of the piece of furniture, isn't it? It can somehow just give our brains a lovely overhaul as well. I remember um my son uh, old primary school it was um it was a really beautiful school and the parents were very uh, much involved in fundraising and keeping the school going. And one thing that needed doing was that the school gates needed a repaint. They were really flaky and looking really tatty and it was just a bit of a downer at school drop off looking at these tatty gates. You know, obviously I've got paint lying around all over the place. We've had this lovely color green. And it was getting closer to spending my precious weekend painting these school gates. And I was so begrudging about it. I was like, I can't believe, you know, I've got my own house to do up and I don't even have time to do that. And I've got to paint these wretched school gates and they're going to take loads of sanding and prepping. I was really cross about it. I remember feeling really angry. But it was a lovely sunny day. Me and a handful of other mums People bought cakes, people bought biscuits, people were doing tea runs. And we had the most beautiful day sanding, prepping and painting these school gates. And as a result of that, every time I dropped my son off at that school, my heart swelled when I opened the gate because I was like, I painted this gate and I made it look really beautiful and lovely for people to walk through. And I think... Somehow we can do that in our own home too. If you look at a wall that you've prepped and painted or a door you've brought back to life or a chair you recover, recovered, don't you have just like a deeper love and connection?
2: I totally agree. It does make it feel special. It gives you a sense of ownership because you've invested some time and some energy and some thought into what you've achieved. And once you've got it there and people will admire it and you can sit down on it and you see it every day, you remember that level of achievement. So I think for Mental health and just for the sheer fact of that feel good factor, you should be doing up stuff. I think it's a must.
0: So you're known as the king of upholstery and I absolutely adore what you've done with furniture pieces not just restoring them back to their former glory but almost like reinventing them and making them modern and current and putting your own kind of stylish twist on them um is there any particular project that you've worked
2: on that you've really loved first of all I should say thank you for that compliment the king of upholstery that's <laughs> wow that's um, quite impressive I'll take it and put it on my shelf um what I would say is that I'm quite a selfish designer in the sense that if I like something, I've designed for myself first and foremost. So I don't follow the trends or anything like that. It's like, oh, I like that fabric. I like this. I like, and I go with it. And a lot of the time I use the same kind of fabrics. I use the same color. I kind of stick to what I like and just reinvent it a little bit from time to time. I think as individuals, we should be able to express ourselves through what we create and that's all I'm doing I'm expressing my style through what I create and if someone likes it they buy it if they don't no problem
0: and have you got any tips for people if they are looking for a second hand piece of whether it's a sofa or an armchair what's to look out for
2: I think anything that's made from solid timber I think the mass manufacturing what's happened a lot of furniture is made in a very um, not to last way. So it it wasn't built in the same way of how they built it before, but how they built stuff before was just chopping down loads of trees. And we can't be doing that um, because we'll be destroying the planet. So buying secondhand furniture, I think is the best way to combat the consumerist society, but also to keep things going because that furniture is just solid. So any piece from, let's say, the 1920s right up to probably the 1970s, I would say, like mid-century modern, that furniture is really good. For me, I love English designers. So I go for G-Plan, Urkel, Parker um, Gordon Russell, Vanson. I, I go for the brands that I know have the heritage. So look out for really good furniture. And look out for the unfashionable ones. Um, at the moment, Erco is very fashionable and everybody wants it, so the price goes up. But if you go for something that's less fashionable, then yeah, you're onto a winner.
0: What do you think is a good first sort of upholstery project for someone who wants to give it a go themselves?
2: I would say start off with a drop-in seat. So any dining chair, and it's called a drop-in seat because the, the seat that has the cushion bit drops into the frame. So you can pop it out, You can recover it and see if you got on all right, then put it back in the chair. If not, if you don't like it or it's got dirty, you can pop it out and and recover it again. I think that is the best way to start because what I love is people planning to avoid disappointment. So if you take on, let's say, a big armchair, The problem might be is it might be a little bit too hard to do, and then you'll be disheartened. Do something that's really simple, first of all, and then work your way up. So a drop-in seat, I would recommend.
0: It also doesn't cost too much. You could just have a little remnant fabric or a bit of um, needlework. Or I've seen even people use tea towels for those drop-in seats.
2: You're you're quite right. You could even use pillowcases, anything that you've got to hand. Just have a little practice. With the new show that I'm doing, I want everybody to just have a go because the problem is if we're too scared to do these things, you would never know that you could actually achieve something and just be brave enough just do it.
0: One thing I love about your particular approach to furniture restoration and upholstery, Jay, is it's really, it appears to me to be very playful and instinctual. And, you know, for example, on a chair, you'll paint one leg neon pink, but leave the other three legs, you know, natural wood. How has your approach to design evolved? Do you really think it out or is it sometimes happy accidents?
2: Well, how I've come about with that style is all through mistakes. So the one leg was I started painting the chair and a phone call came in and I started speaking to someone on this phone. And at the same time of speaking to them, I was getting a little bit sidetracked and I was looking at the chair and I was like, wow, that one leg really stands out and it makes the other three legs look amazing. And then the rest of the chair just look really impressive. So that's how that came about. Then I do drip in paint and that came about by me leaving some paint on a chair and I knocked it, it fell over, and um, it poured down. As I started to clean up the paint, I looked at it and I was like, that looks like ice cream. That reminds me of 1977 when I used to have an ice cream running down my hands. And, oh, I
0: love that. Well,
2: that's how that came about. Similarly with the one button, I was putting a button in and a, and a phone call came. And is this a
0: button on the back of a, of a armchair?
2: I put on a chair or I put it on a seat. I put the button anywhere. Um, but the thing is, All of these ideas came from a mistake. They weren't deliberate. It's not I'm some design guru. I've just made a mistake and then I've celebrated it and said, you know what? I quite like that. That's my style. (laughs) So I think my style has come about by making beautiful mistakes.
0: Oh, I adore that. And I sign up to that wholeheartedly, I think, <laughs> keeping it light, keeping it playful. And especially if these are old bits of junk shop pieces of furniture, there's not much harm you can do anyway by sloshing a bit of paint around and getting a bit jazzy <laughs> with the staple gun.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and Jay, remind us what your um, Instagram handle is.
2: Um, Instagram is jay underscore n underscore co. C-O.
0: And it's well worth jumping on there, not just for lots of beautiful design inspiration, but I particularly love your thought of the day. Thank I you. love that. So <laughs> tune in for that nonetheless. Well, Jay, thank you so much for squeezing me into your very busy schedule. As I said, we're so delighted to have you on the show.
2: No problem at and all. And best
0: of luck with everything.
2: Same with you guys. You guys take care now.
1: Thanks so much to Jay for giving us the time for that interview. I'm fascinated by the idea of making my own furniture polish. And now I've got to go and ponder amongst all the other fantasy decorating decisions I've got to make. (laughs) I've now got to think about what scent my homemade
0: furniture polish is going to be. (laughs) I like the idea of sweet oranges. That's nice. I bet you're more, more of a fig. Oh, I Happy like fig. fig. Yeah. I do like fig. Yes, there you go.
1: Something a also, bit more musky. I did make a scented candle once in a workshop, and it was a mix of leather and fig. Oh, oh
0: yes. Yes. That's you all over, isn't yes,
1: it? Yes, nice, nice. There Ooh, we go. Watch, watch so this space. Watch this space. And in the meantime, I might, I might make some for the husband and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could smell of gentle dirt, I think. You could call it, you could call it gentle Silfy. dirt.
0: Here you go, darling. Cleaner. It's called Filthy Bastard, <laughs> just for you.
1: In the meantime, before this podcast gets totally out of hand, do go and check out Jay's website, Jay & Co., the same as his furniture label, and see what you think and keep an eye out for his new show as well. So for our last topic of today, we thought we'd talk a little bit about revamping a room, whether that's just having a bit of money to go out and shop for, you know, a few new things or moving things around. We've been staring at the same walls for, you know, quite a long time, as I may have mentioned, once or 17 times. And so, you know, we might be thinking we want to change things. And also one of the things that came out over the last few weeks was that if you can afford to shop, you should, because you're going to support those small businesses who've really been struggling or who might have had to shut down completely. So, you know, it's perhaps a good time to start looking outside our four walls and thinking about how we can refresh a bit. And I know,
0: Sophie, you've just did a bit of a filming refresh, I believe. (laughs) No that's right I've um recently done a couple of little segments for um the BBC for their daytime Health Check UK live show and obviously for TV right now it's really challenging as Jay Blades sort of <laughs> He said he's got, a, he's got one single cameraman and director coming around to his workshop to film a whole new series. I mean, this is unheard of in telly. Usually there's like sound and there's runner and there's a producer and there's a director. We've got these really tiny TV crews trying to create content. And I had a producer director come around with a camera to my home in order to create a little interior design segment. And he obviously couldn't come in the house. So he's filming through the windows of the house. <laughs> and then uh, when he needed to get a bit of a tighter angle on what I was doing, he bought a spare camera completely wiped down with anti-backs wipes, <laughs> which he gave to my husband, Tom, who's a builder, as most people know, not a cameraman. He can barely work the camera on his phone, honestly. He's like me. He's not, yeah, he's not tech savvy. But anyway, gave him a little lesson on how to be a cameraman in our uh, living room. It was just all rather surreal, but the point was that um, you know they wanted to produce some content that helped people feel a bit inspired, a bit of a refresh without a complete redecoration and like you say it might be buying a few key bits that give you an uplift or it might just be rearranging what we've already got and you'll be delighted Kate that one of the ideas that the producer really loved and wanted me to demonstrate was colour coding your bookshelves <gasps> so they got me doing that and I thought of you every Did you? Agree. I'd have refused. Oh, yes. I'd have said oh, yeah. no, no, never. Oh, no, I did it just to annoy you, if nothing else. <laughs> oh, thanks. Well, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Consider it looks me. It really good. No, it's it not didn't. really good. I'll show you a picture. Consider me annoyed. <laughs> Do you know what? I went so far as well. I didn't just colour code my books, I colour coded my ornaments. So on my bookcase with all my pink books, I put my little pink bird oh, ornament. God. And on my bookshelf with all my yellow books, I put my little oh, yellow my vase. Oh, I, I feel going a bit faint. For it. It Is lovely. it a bit hot in my
1: duvet, den? So satisfying. I think I'm actually having an attack of the vapours. <laughs> 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 I can't. I just can't. Um, for those who haven't listened before... It's not so much the colour coordinating I dislike, or is it? Well, it's partly that. I am really upset because I just love books for the stories they tell. And I get really upset when they're, you know, categorised by their colour and used as decoration. But moving on from that, that is one thing you could do. I'm not going to judge too much if you do that oh, yourself not much yeah judge much <laughs> oh, I judge you i'm not judging anyone else you totally judge totally right now but thanks there's other but. things you can do to just change your room and as i say you know small paint companies might really need your support now if you're wanting to change the color or you know buy a new lamp from somewhere so there's all sorts of things you can do to just change it around and I think we've persuaded our lovely producer Kate to come and talk to us she moved house in the middle of full lockdown
4: situation um, but wanted to buy some plants, did you, Kate? Yes, we moved during the lockdown. We're very lucky that we were moving literally next door on the same street. Um, so it was just me and my partner spent three or four days going back and forth with Did you boxes. not have a van then? You no. Literally just no walked- oh my just gosh, us. you're
0: joking. You
1: walked the furniture yeah. down So you were street. carrying sofas down the street well, and beds? Well,
4: we were in a second floor flat, so we could not get the sofa out. Even though my partner at one point was like, I, I think we could maybe do I was like, no, we can't. That'd be, That'd be ridiculous. Me. Yeah, let's so, try. Um,
0: <laughs> so you've left your sofa so behind. So we've left
4: the sofa in the flat. Our landlord has promised that we can get it back when this is all over. But yeah, so eventually we have moved into our new place and we're very, very lucky to be here and very pleased. And one of the things that I was really, as you said, taken by the idea of as, as a quick cheap fix that doesn't matter too much if I get it wrong was the idea of having more plants around because it's got lovely big windows we've got loads of sun coming in and I'm at home all the time I could water them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Trust me I'm
4: at home all the time
1: and I still can't water mine but yes (laughs) in your your fantasy in
4: your designer fantasy you'll be watering those plants. Exactly so um and so I just thought well I'll have to do it online so I go onto one of the big online garden centres and I was instantly in a virtual queue, even to get onto the website. And then I remembered our local garden centre. And I would never normally think of ordering online from there because I would go there in person and look at the plants and choose them and so on. But I've Googled them. They do have a website and they are delivering and so I've ordered a bunch of stuff and big bags of compost and stuff that will all be arriving in a few days. So it was just a kind of a slightly different way of thinking about it, I guess. Which then again made me feel great that I was supporting a local business and a, and a, a business that I know does does great stuff.
0: That's brilliant. There's a there's a big nursery um, near to me in Sussex, but a, a nursery that supplies plants to nurseries. Yeah. And. They created very quickly overnight a sort of Facebook group to say all these bedding plants are going to get trashed because, you know, that whole supply chain has just broken down overnight. And so they were trying to set up a local delivery service where you could get bedding plants from them to just stop them just basically being thrown away. So you're it's right, isn't it? We're all having to think outside the box on how we shop Some things that work well online and I'd suggest like plants and accessories and even to a degree coffee tables, hard surfaces, vases, artwork, to a degree framed prints can work quite well online. I think sometimes it gets tricky when it's a piece of furniture. You want to sit on it and check it's comfortable. You want to lie on it to correct it's the right firmness. Um, One thing I would say is always check the scale. Oh God, yeah. I've ordered vases i thought oh yeah that'll make a lovely centerpiece on a table and then they've been like 10 centimeters tall there's there's (laughs) been been like little mini there was a
1: meme going around on twitter the other day someone saying that you know she kept saying to her sister you know 4.99 for that deck chair was such a bargain you've done really well i might buy one and then it turned up and it was a doll's house deck chair (laughs) (laughs) so i think yeah we've all done that you know measure it and really properly have a look at the measurements and again look at the small print look at the small print (laughs) for sending it back but also it really helps coming back to that old idea of you know laying out the size of it on the floor in newspaper or a bit of string or something so that you get a sense of how high you know because sometimes you look at measurements and you think oh i know what 30 centimeters means But actually, in the context of your sofa or next to your table might mean something different. So it's worth using up some of the old cardboard boxes you've got lying around to
0: just use them for scale. Another nice little idea to refresh your home is to have like a bit of a switch about. The other day, I've got quite a dark teal velvet sofa in my living room. And it is something that I want to switch at some point because it's not quite the right colour. But I'm waiting for the right vintage sofa to present itself to me. And then I'm going to get Jay Blades to cover it for me. <laughs> does not know that yet. Anyway, my fantasy sofa in the offing. But in the meantime, this dark velvet sofa is not giving me all the feels. But I got my pale pink bed throw off my bed and just threw it over the dark sofa. And it just completely lifted the look. Just having a pale throw on a dark sofa just gave the room such a refresh and an uplift. And I think, again, that can be something that you can think about doing, whether it's switching rugs around or switching lamps around or even switching your art about and maybe creating a bit of a gallery wall in one area of your home. You see, we're not allowed to do that in our house. Why not? Well,
1: because apparently, once the spot has been chosen where the artwork is to hang... That is where it lives. It has been chosen for that spot. There's is no that moving. Your mad husband yeah, again. There's no moving that.
0: pictures around. That's because he doesn't like putting nails in the walls. Well, That's what, yeah, no, this diverting me. He just no, he doesn't do it. He spends a lot
1: of time considering the placement of pictures, and he's not about to have them moved. That said, I'm all about moving rugs and lamps, and actually, sometimes you can swap lamp shades. We've done that a few times over the last few weeks. Actually, is changed lamp shades, and it's something you can. You might want to do season because, you know, you need more light at certain times of year than you do for others. So you can have sort of decorative dark shades in summer when you might not need them as much. Oh, that's a nice thought. Change Um, the
0: quality of the light a bit. Change
1: the quality of the light. Um, And I've done that actually quite a few times with, you know, swapping different lamps from different bases. And it just makes it feel a bit different or even buying a new lampshade you know you know sometimes in that way you buy one new top and suddenly you feel like you've got six new things to wear and it's that kind of idea you can sometimes change one element as you say just to throw or swap the lampshades around
0: and the whole place suddenly feels a bit different the other thing to think about as well i think is somehow especially since we're spending more time at home with people that we don't usually spend all that time with (laughs) very tactfully put (laughs) it's i'm spending a lot of time in lego Oh, right now, yeah, yeah. which I never usually had to do. It's blimming everywhere. I love Lego. It's on the kitchen table. It somehow manages to float onto my office table. And obviously in Arthur's bedroom. It just gets everywhere. So I've had a big sort of tidy-up hissy fit around the Lego the other day and just said, right, this surface, there just happens to be a surface under our window where the bookcase is, which is a good Arthur height, actually. I said, This is where the Lego lives. And we keep it on trays. And it just all goes back to that one surface at the end of the day when we're having a tidy up. um, I used to
1: say they had to put it on a towel. They could tip it out on a towel and then at the end of the day, you can kind of pick up all four corners of the towel and tip it back into the big box. Yeah, I mean, I think now you can probably buy something with a, probably from a small business, so maybe you should, um, a big (laughs) circle with a drawstring round it so that you can kind of lay it out flat and then pull it up into its own bag. But my rule was always, you know, the Lego goes on a towel and any Lego that's not on that towel, I reserve the right to chuck it. I mean, obviously I didn't. Harsh. Obviously I didn't. But you know, it your works. Lego days are over, there, aren't they, you lucky thing? Well, do you know, I I wonder if they've been so bored they might have got it out again. I thought I heard. <laughs> thought, <laughs> you know, it's attic. a very it's a very distinctive sound, isn't it? That kind of raking through a box of tiny bits of plastic, and I I could have been mistaken, but I thought I heard it the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to our new and actually regular slot now, which I'm really loving, our style surgery. This week, we've had a note from Nula about shoes. So my question is this. Should house guests be expected to take off their shoes when visiting your house? So the reason I ask is, until I became a homeowner myself, I thought it was completely normal to wear shoes in the house. In fact, my parents see it as slightly undignified to ask visitors to take their shoes off, and that had been instilled in me. However, now I have my own home, and I'm a big fan of neutral interiors. Sorry, Sophie. And I have to say, it really bothers me when guests visit and don't think to take off their shoes,
4: So what I'm after is your advice on the right answer. Is it okay to ask visitors to take their shoes off when visiting your house? Or is that, frankly, a bit rude?
1: I am going to quite uncharacteristically say in this case, I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer. I have a friend, a very dear friend, who is very much shoes off. And uh, sometimes I get really quite cross because sometimes I feel that the shoes are an integral part of my outfit and it irritates me to have to take them off when I go around for dinner. And secondly, you know, my socks aren't necessarily all that because until very recently, all my socks had just been stolen from the various teenage sons and husband in my house. By the same token, I totally understand that, you know, it's your house and you're allowed to. And I have another friend... Um, who spent many years living in Japan. And so she is absolutely shoes off because that's what they do in Japan.
0: And she culturally, lived there for yeah. years. And culturally, does, is, she's taken They leave little slippers for people to wear. Is well, this Sweden that, as well or somewhere? The Scandi countries do yeah. that, don't they? they give you and little house of, slippers. You know,
1: I, that's better to be presented with a little pair of slippers. I don't mind. I don't like, which I have been... On occasion, presented with those kind of plastic bag surgical PPE no, shoes. No, in yeah. someone's home. Yeah, that doesn't Who work for me. That? Well, I'm not going to tell you obviously. you, obviously. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so. How you put blue buttons I mean, on your feet. You know, what do, Where what do, they do I think you've been? In Well, But this is the other problem. If there are children coming in, I might say shoes off because really you don't know where they've trodden because they can be a bit careless. But I would tend... (laughs) Especially if my husband's coming round, I bet you get his shoes off. (laughs) Well, and and also, yeah, builders and people. But I would tend to say if my adult friends are coming round, you know, for supper and then, you know, I'm not going to make them take their shoes off. But small children, I might be more tempted to say, as they're more likely to go upstairs... Maybe shoes off because that's where the carpet starts. Oh, yes, now there
0: are. So you touch on something. So I am fine with shoes on on the ground floor. Yeah. I've got hard flooring, either stone or wood, because I live in the countryside and people are in and out, in and out, in and out. So, you know, practically carpets aren't going to work. So I'm fine with it on the ground floor. And also I'm very keen that people feel comfortable when they come to my house. And as you said, walking around with your shabby socks can sometimes just not feel great but since the pink stair runner of yeah, dreams was installed off. oh yes shoes off most definitely so yeah we've got different different boundaries i think but it for depends me, I, I i feel a bit mean telling people to take their i shoes do off. too but i didn't i missed i wasn't quite clear whether
1: nula has just pale floors or pale carpet i can't actually envisage a scenario where I would put pale carpet by my front door but maybe if you live in a flat and you can't change it then I think I'd probably be saying shoes off at that point but if and i had pale... you go
0: about it you just say to people when i they think you just to come in front. do you mind
1: taking your shoes off that's yeah. what my friend does to me and she knows i'll grumble but she also knows that's the rule and i know that's what happens so she's the one friend i go around and see where i always make sure i've got really good socks on
0: there is an argument that um in terms of general health and hygiene and well-being we should all take our shoes yeah. off at the door because they bring in loads of dirt loads of metals loads of toxins, loads of pollution from pacing the pavements and we shouldn't be walking that stuff I, around I our house. sort
1: of think it's unanswerable. I mean, I've, you know, I feel that probably it's the right thing to do to take them off. And actually, what I should do when I go round to my friend's house, if I'm ever able to go round there again, not only after lockdown, but after this, if she listens to it, <laughs> maybe, you know, the key is to... You know, people have that habit where they go to work in trainers and then they put their office shoes on. Maybe that's a bit from the 1980s. I never worked in an office, but maybe the thing is I should go round to her house... In my outdoor shoes, and then change into my own choice of indoor shoe when I get there. Oh, yeah. Take
0: your own slippers. And then I've,
1: well, not necessarily even slippers. It could be shoes, but it could be kind of indoor shoes that go with my outfit. And then I'll feel really happy that my outfit works. And she'll know that I've been inside
0: line. Like, how high (laughs) maintenance does one have to be to visit one's friends? Well, enough. Maybe quite. All right, enough. What else you got for us? (laughs) Well, We also wanted to shout out to Nick, who grabbed our attention on Instagram. He's on there as at MidCenturyScotland and has a rather intriguing bio. Updates to our MidCentury house, garden and the tiki bar in Scotland. (laughs) (laughs) So as the name suggests, his feed is very interesting. Anyway, he's a regular listener and he said some very nice things. So thanks for that, Nick. But he was also triggered (laughs) into a rant by something in our last episode.
3: Hi, Kate and Sophie. Thanks for doing a great job of keeping the podcast going in these uncertain times. I wanted to get in touch with you about your recent lighting article you did with Sally's story. She had some fantastic advice about placing of lighting and creating atmosphere in your house. Unfortunately, she mentioned five amp circuits, which are a bit of a bugbear of mine. These were a great solution when there was no alternative to turning lots of lights on and off around the house. Now the market is filled with smart lighting solutions which do this far more intelligently. At an entry level you can get plug-in adapters called remote sockets which for about £18 will give you a packet of three and a remote control so you can turn devices on and on around your room. Next level up, you can get something like IKEA Tradfree, which adds a hub to this, which talks to your phone and various remote controls around the house. It will let you set scenes, change the color of lighting, set timers for lights, motion sensors for lights. Other solutions are available from Philips Hue, Eve, Amazon, Hive. I definitely advise your listeners to look into smart lighting before splashing out on a five amp circuit.
0: Frankly, all rants on social media should be as gracious and as well as formed as Nick's. But anyway... Smart lighting, it's actually been around for about 15 years and I must admit we're both blushing that we didn't flag this up at the time because the thing is about lighting rings and 5-amp circuits is they're great if you put them in while you're doing a refurb. I put them in my own house because we were doing all the electrics. But if you've already got your lighting in place, putting in an extra lighting ring or 5-amp circuit is a huge expense and mess. And actually, yes, there are smart lights and they can be controlled by your phone app, Or some of them even come with their own little remote controls and you simply just plug them in. You can use bulbs to go in existing light fittings or you can even buy smart light fixtures. And it just means they're all dimmable. They can even change colour, Kate. Have your own little disco. Um, And they're fully controllable and it's definitely worth looking into. And uh, thanks, Nick, for um, highlighting that. Or you could just turn your lights off by using the switch.
1: Which is what I do.
0: <laughs> there are no computers in my lighting system.
1: It's very yeah, you
0: analog. Can't, you can't talk to them or dim them or change the colour,
1: though, well, can, can you? I can dim them if I go to the switch. I quite like. I don't know. There's a sort of ritual for me about going to bed and you know turning the lights off and sort of
0: putting the house to bed at night. I quite like that. I don't need. You like. All that. You like wee Willy Winky with your little with your little candle. Thanks for that. Yeah. Puddling up to yeah. bed. i mean, this is the picture I'm now okay, getting. The little candle snuffer. You got a candle of snuffer. Of course I've got a candle snuffer. But <laughs> I
1: never have a candle because I'm a candle catastrophist. But obviously <laughs> I have the equipment. You've got a candle snuffer and no candles. I think that just sums you up to a (laughs) T. I'm stopping it there. And I'm going to tell you that, of course, there will be more pictures and links and enormously incisive writing on both of our blogs at madaboutthehouse.com and sophierobinson.co.uk. And do rate and review us on your podcast app if you can. We do enormously
0: appreciate that. An enormous thank you to our sponsors, Geberit, and to our producer, Kate Taylor of Feast Collective. And thank you to you for listening. And we'll see you in the great indoors.
1: Now we have a packed show for you, as ever, from our duvet dens. What have we got, Sophie?
0: Well, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's going to be a long afternoon. No, it's not. Come on, focus.